Welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader here at Niche, and this episode will be a bit different, but I hope just as valuable. To celebrate one year of podcasting, this week I'll bring some of our most popular Enrollment Insights webinars to you in podcast form. I've trimmed up the opening a bit, but otherwise all the content is there. You can find the slides and additional resources in the show notes, linked in the podcast description, or at niche.bz podcast. First up, thank you everyone. Uh, today's Insights panel, we're going to be hearing from Lindsay Spear and Tony Sarda uh, about the what yield looks like this spring. You know, that's, that's the million dollar question right now that we're still learning. We're still building this plane as we're flying. Uh, and so we'll, we'll kind of take care of everything and, and answer some questions, but also looking forward to your questions and your feedback. Uh, so just a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, you know, we do record all these. We'll be sending out the recording along with some ad resources tomorrow. Uh, so be looking for that. Uh, you'll get all that, but we want to hear from you as well. Uh, so send in your questions. Usually on the right-hand side of your screen, you should see a GoToWebinar uh, loaded screen over there, and you'll be able to submit any questions, comments. As you as you have ideas or thoughts or feedback, please feel free to share those as well. So first up, I wanted to give Lindsay an opportunity to introduce herself. So I'll hand it over to you. Good afternoon. Good morning. My name is Lindsay Spear, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Director of Undergraduate Admissions and Orientation at Ball State University, which is located in Muncie, Indiana. And we are a mid-sized state institution of a little over 18,000 undergrad students, 21,000 when you include our graduate and our undergraduate programs. I've been with Ball State for almost 14 years. Um, I previously, before I was a director, served as our Associate Director of Orientation and New Student Enrollment, um, which also um, fell under admissions. It still falls under admissions, so I oversee our orientation program, which also includes our Week of Welcome, so programming that happens in August prior to the start of um, school. I do have a few years of experience at a private institution um, prior to coming to Ball State, um, and um, as a mid-sized institution, collaborate with a lot of different areas around campus as we plan admissions and orientation and welcoming programming. Thank you all for joining. And next up, I'll pass it over to Tony. Thanks, Will, and good to see you, Lindsay. Um, good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you're joining us from. My name is Tony Sarda. My pronouns are he, him, him, he, him, his, and el. And I have the pleasure of serving as Director of Undergraduate Admission at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas. Um, today is my six-month anniversary of working at St. Mary's. I moved to San Antonio from my previous city and job in the middle of, pan of the pandemic back in August. Um, but I have been working in college admissions and higher education for about 12 years. Started in academic advising and then moved over to admissions and recruitment, where I privately served at a public institution. So Lindsay and I kind of have that a little bit, um, you know, opposite. Um, um, but absolutely love the opportunity to work with a great team here in San Antonio where um, my purview is working primarily with first-time um, first students, transfer students, and international students in the undergraduate space. And I look forward to our um, robust discussion. Will said a million-dollar question. I hope to at least have a couple of hundred-dollar answers for you all. Yep. Well, we have a lot of questions lined up in advance, but as you have questions that, that you think of, just a reminder, if you just logged on, you can add those on the panel that usually loads on your right-hand side. So jumping in here, when did you start prepping for the virtual events and with your teams? When did you start thinking ahead? So uh, I'll, I'll ask you that first, Tony, since you came in mid-cycle here. Yeah, it's interesting um, moving into a new position in the middle of a pandemic year at a new institution that was very different than my previous one and not just getting acclimated to how the admissions process worked, but really kind of trying to think about what were going to be these, these questions that we were going to need to have answered later in the cycle. So we really started to do a lot of planning about yield back in about mid-October, um, where we started to think about, you know, in the context of this cycle and season and how things are changing for students, um, you know, what do we really need to do and how do we create a framework that brings, you know, all of the different stakeholders that are part of a, of a good yield plan into the mix. So the, the planning started in October. I would say that we had our first kind of big planning meeting about the beginning of November. Okay. And Lindsay? Uh, from my perspective, I would say um, that really it's kind of been a continuous event. Um, I joke with my staff and other professionals that this time last year, well, I would say mid-March, so almost this time last year, 
when the pandemic hit, somebody asked me if we were, if we were prepared for a pandemic. And I looked at them and said, were you? Uh, you know. And I think a lot of people gave us grace because obviously it was something brand new for all of us. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do. Um, and most important was the safety. And so it was mainly like canceling events and not having things and actually doing something. Well, now, good or bad, you've had plenty of time to prepare. You've had plenty of time to think about things. And you've also had plenty of time to not only prepare, but to think about plan A, B, C, and probably even Z in terms of what were things look like based upon what's happening. Um, and so similar to Tony, we really um, started planning yield perspective in uh, mid-fall, but we started thinking earlier on about, okay, what happened last March? What did we do? What didn't we do? What went well as we transformed some things virtually and tried them virtually, such as our summer orientation program? How can we improve that? And if we are still virtual come spring semester at that point, what would that look like? Um, and so that's where those plans A, B, C, and D kind of came in. And um, we started getting a lot of questions from our campus partners really prior to the holiday break and semester break as they prepared. So we had to get some dates out there. We had to get some ideas out there to people and others who are involved in that process to give them some perspective of here's what we're thinking and not only what we're thinking, but here's various options that it might look like based upon where do we stand at that point in time. And that's really honestly what we're continually doing. I mean, we are planning things even now that it's spring and it's almost March here next week, um, but there's still a few other options that will be you know, that we will think about and do based upon the timing of that event and where we currently stand in terms of state or federal policies and even uh, campus policies. I, I'm, I'm curious, Lindsay, since you went through this with orientation last year and, and been involved there, what's your feeling about student affinity and connections? Uh, how have those changed this year to prior years? How are they connected to each other in the institution? I think that um, that's probably the million dollar question with probably a $5 answer, to be honest with you. Um, because I think it's a little, still a little bit different for everyone. Um, we, um, so one experience that we've recently had is that we hire orientation leaders who are current students who work for us for the summer. We normally have a staff of 35. Um, we had hired those students to work for us last summer, so we still allowed them to work. We, we transformed everything virtually. But this year, as we were looking to hire our leaders, we had to do almost like informational meetings about what's it even like to be an orientation leader if things were normal. Um, and what's it like to be actually a student on campus working with students? We had one student who applied who knew what orientation used to sort of look like that wasn't what it is now. Um, we have an organization that's affiliated with our office area with our tour guides in our, that area. Well, we had to explain a little bit more about what's it really like to be a tour guide right now. And then what's it going to be like if we're able to change things moving forward so they know kind of what's to be expected. I think we're finding a lot of students because of our inability to hold a lot of events and activities and to be very limited in terms of any sort of organization or area, that it's not at all the same experience. And I think that is, from the admissions perspective, negatively affecting us because students who are current seniors, they want to know what is fall going to look like. They want to know what's to be expected. Am I going to be able to go to class? Am I going to be able to go to a sporting event? Are we going to have you know, groups of things that come because they're talking to their friends or talking to peers or talking to family or whoever about the fact that even in my residence hall, I can't go do all these activities or the doors need to be closed or I can't go hang out at the lounge or when I'm at a dining facility, these things are all spaced out. So I feel for them um, and I, for those current students because that freshman experience is not the same. Um, and it's really hard to even get a student to want to do something with or for you because they don't even know what it's really like. Um, and then to have a conversation with a current high school student about, well, this is what we hope that it'll be come August, but we don't know. Um, that also is, I, I get it. Um, and it's really uncertain of what it'll be. And I think even whatever was normal will not be normal um, for a while as we move forward. Tony, what are you, what are you saying? Yeah, and actually, Lindsay, something that you said reminded me of a conversation that I had um, with someone on campus pre-storm in Texas. And they said, you know, why, why did we have you know, so many fewer deposits in this seven-day time frame this year versus what we had in the same seven-day time frame last year? And I'm like, well, you're benchmarking apples and oranges, right? Um, if we don't have strong communication to students about what the campus experience is going to look like in the fall, would you deposit 
<laughs> if you were a student, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we have to be mindful of, <clears throat> we want students to take action, right? We want students to participate in our Zoom events. We want students to, you know, visit if we have limited in-person visits. And ultimately, we want them to choose our institutions. <clears throat> but the confidence has to be there for families and for students to be able to want to take that step to make that decision. And a lot of it is based on, you know, to your question, Will, what the student affinity is, not just with the university, but ultimately what the plans are gonna be. You know, do, do families feel like their kids are gonna be safe come fall? You know, what, what is, um, what's the percentage of classes that are gonna be in person versus online? How much of it is gonna be hybrid? What is the, the resident hall, you know, environment going to be like? I think there's a lot of these questions that we have to put ourselves in the mindset of families and of students to think about not just are we delivering the right types of um, channels of communication to students, but it's the content meeting the demands of what students and families really want to know about. You know, I think when the pandemic started, so many of us shifted to virtual event engagement because it was something that we really weren't doing in mass. And at the beginning, it had this cachet, right? Like we're gonna have our, our spring open house on Zoom and it's gonna be great because people can, can do it from wherever. They can do it at home, you know, from their couch and, and their PJs. And now not only do students have Zoom fatigue, but we're feeling it on our side too. It just, it can't be the same answers, you know, oh, well, this department wants to promote their department. Well, let's, let's do another Zoom. That, that can't be it. So we've really tried to make sure that we've taken a multi-channel approach to how we're contacting students. We can't just sit in the, we're gonna do more virtual events. So, you know, when we think about how are we doing text messaging with our counseling staff, you know, what does our print communication look like? You know, how are, how are students engaging with our website? You know, are we you know, providing active and relevant content on YouTube? You know, we, we wanna make sure that no matter where a student meets us and where we meet a student, that we're, we're meeting the, the content type demand, but we're all, that we're telling them the things that are really important to them too. I think there's also, you know, an element of making sure that the things don't have a short lifespan when plans change, because we have all certainly seen plans have to change. Um, you know, at, at the height of the holiday season, the COVID positivity rate in San Antonio was about 25%, which means that the limited in-person visits that we had had to get canceled really, really quickly. Well, any print material that referenced in-person visits was now obsolete, mm. right? And when we created new print material, we had to think about, well, how does this change whenever we do have in-person when we don't know when we're gonna have in-person again? So I think also kind of remembering to keep your content evergreen when it needs to be evergreen, but the things that can be dynamic, making sure that they're dynamic, um, you give yourself that opportunity to keep that fresh too. So wherever you're driving people, make sure that you're thoughtful about um, the, the shelf life of the things that you're that you're doing. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, engagement is a is a much better term now than visit. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it looks like. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, kind of pairing up with that, uh, you know, we always think about students. So, so Tony, are, how are you doing a yield activities for parents and families? Is that something that's going on, or something you're thinking about? Yes, we're, we're actively engaging with parents and families. So part of our yield plan was that we were going to thematically push an element of St. Mary's every month of the spring. So January had a theme, February has a theme, March has a theme, April has a theme, and, um, and May has a theme. We're doing print um, every, um, every month that when it goes to the, to the student, um, we actually address it to the family of, not just to the student especially if the content is a little bit more relevant for family concerns. So our, our February theme is around finances and financial aid and, and college affordability. This is, a, this is something that parents and families always wanna know about. So we're really intentional about making sure that we involve you know, families and in invitations to our virtual events that when they get print in the mail from us that they do that. Um, it's actually one of the few times that we will copy parents on invitations for events. We try to be really mindful of knowing that, you know, everybody kind of has a different home life um, but when we do financial aid events, we copy families um, into it too. Our, our counselors are trained to be really active when they speak to students to kind of navigate the conversation thoughtfully to ask, you know, do you have other family members at home that are, that are helping you make this decision? And would it be helpful for me to talk to them too? Because we really wanna make sure that we're adding that one-to-one that -one human element for them and overwhelmingly parents are happy to talk to admission counselors. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our admission counseling staff is bilingual. 
Spanish, and that helps us a lot with our Latinx families to be able to navigate conversations um, in, in two languages. But yeah, we, we know especially right now that that parents and you know um, ultimately any any family member that's helping students make the decision has to be involved in the process, and we really want to facilitate that for them. And Lindsay, what what are you thinking? Yeah, I would just add a couple of things to that. So similarly, we are also doing some direct communication to family members based upon the month or kind of what's going on with that time period. So whether it was you know encouragement of the FAFSA or now College Goals Sunday, some of those types of engagement pieces, whether it's access that they're going to need to their student's account in order to have the conversations they think they can have with us or that they've had with their K through 12 um, partners. And what does that look like at the higher education level? Um, even if it's events, um, you know, we are specifically targeting families to talk about the event, the purpose of the event, why would they want to attend and why should their students want to attend? Um, we've adjusted some of our events to be evening, so they're seven o'clock um, to accommodate obviously the work schedule and allowing that family member to attend. Um, we actually have a few events that are specific to families. So while the student can attend with them, they're specific to parents um, or family members around like first generation. Um, Indiana has what's called, <clears throat> excuse me, a 21st century scholars program. So things that are target markets that we can really target to that family, we're doing so. Um, we are also sending more postcards to the student, knowing that when you send a postcard, that's also something that can be read by anyone. So strategically messaging some of the information in our postcards of next steps, action items, things that are kind of going on um, and to be aware of. Um, and then our university has what's called a parent advisory council, which oversees and works with the university. So we're actually using our parent advisory council to our advantage to write letters and different things to our family members from the perspective of a current family member who has a student at Ball State. What does that look like? What does that mean? What can they um, kind of expect as well? Um, we are also training our staff in terms of different me measures. Some emails we do CC parents and family members on them. Um, and when it comes to things like orientation or specific programming we think of, we also have separate programming for them. So we really divide out students and families from each other to do targeted communication and presentations and information um, for those populations um, as well. And Lindsay, are you seeing, are you using different lead measures this year than you have in the past or is everything out of the window and we're just flying by the seat of our pants? Um, yes, uh, I would say <laughs> yes to all of the above. Um, so we are using a few different yield measures I will or lead measures. I will say we have not purchased anything brand new or started working with a vendor or company that we weren't previously already a partner with. Um, we've really tried to do and use our resources to our advantage. Obviously, financially, there is a component to that too. Um, and as well as what we have in-house that we can do. Um, so really, some of the lead measures um, are more, I would say, question marks or exclamation points at some point in time or something that all of a sudden we realize hey, this is a demographic that we could really touch base on and like how can we strategically do that? Um, so whether it's things that Tony alluded to earlier in terms of that differentiation of when is an email appropriate versus a text message um, versus a virtual event or a virtual webinar series or a touch point, um, lead measures for us have really honestly been like we provided more um, virtual opportunities in terms of one-on-one -on -one engagement. So schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment with your admissions rep. Schedule one-on-one -on -one appointment with financial aid to talk with financial aid. Schedule a one-on-one -on -one with your faculty area of interest in terms of your major. Um, let's let's talk, talk to students. Like, let's really get students engaged. What's it like to be a cardinal? We are the cardinals, the Ball State Cardinals. Mm -hmm. What's that like? What's that component to it? Um, and then looking at data trends, obviously, and information mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So what demographics you know, haven't applied or what demographics aren't um, enrolling and confirming, what are not doing the FAFSA. So we can really specifically target some of those areas based upon what we have, knowing what was or what is or what's typically a successful market within our population and how can we strategically work with those markets to make sure they're aware of our application, to make sure they're aware of the processes, to make sure they're aware of the FAFSA, to make sure they're aware of the virtual pieces or the on-campus opportunities um, that we have. So it's really being strategic. Um, it's a lot more, I would say, probably reminders or, hey, what's going on? Um, and then the other thing we found to be really successful is video. Um, so a lot more lead in terms of video production and video actually done by our students for our students. Mm -hmm. So it's not branded, it's not marketed. 
Um, it's not all what somebody would say like a university official messages, um, but it's literally sometimes our students going out with their cell phones and doing different videos and measures and um, using that. And then we can see the engagement piece. You know, we can really see the analytics from our web, from the videos, from those types of pieces and finding what's really hot and then how can we um, captivate and kind of do. So yeah, sometimes we're flying by the seat of my pants and some, one week I'm like, this is the plan. And then I'm like, and whoop, uh, okay, let's you know do it and we change it up. Um, but I think it's all allowed us to all like learn and grow. And what I really appreciate about some of these things too um, is that it's allowed my staff to really get creative. You know, we always talk about professional development or opportunities for staff in terms of things. And sometimes it's like, well, we've been doing this for so long, we're gonna continue this, or this seems to be working, let's do this. Well, right now it's like, I, I don't know, you, like they have an idea, that, let's try it, let's do it. Um, you know, you put some things together, show me the why, the how, the details and whatever, and why not? You know, why not try it? Because it certainly at this time can't hurt and we only want to help the student. So they've gotten some more excitement and backing around that because they've really been able to come together and like come up with some new creative ideas um, or things that um, they're really passionate about and we let them run with it. Right. And, and Tony, you mentioned when you're looking at deposits, it's comparing apples and oranges. So what, what lead measures are you able to use to track how you're performing? Yeah, you know, we're all in different states of having um, open offices, right? We're all open, but, you know, we're, we're at different places when it comes to how many people are in the office at one time, how many tours you're able to give, and what the in-person structure looks like. Um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that your website, especially your admissions website, is the 24-hour front door to your office and is the place where no matter what happens, a student can go find information. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's to our advantage to try and make sure that the user experience is as fruitful as possible. So we're, we are we kind of monitor our data analytics for our admissions websites like Hawks um, for a couple of different purposes. You know, for, for lead generation, we have a specific page that's our landing page um, for, for students that we're trying to drive through for digital marketing. So we look at everything like, the is the bounce rate too high? How long are students staying on the website? Is there a link that they're clicking on all the time? Is there a link that they don't click on at all? Um, mm -hmm. You know and tweak as we go. Um, it's better than trying to build a plane while you're flying. Um, and, and to Lindsay's point, we actually had, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we said, why don't we add a video here and see what happens? And we ended up finding that students were staying on that page for like 30 to 40 seconds longer than they were in like the seven day period before. So, you know, I think that video content is, is something that I, would, um, that I would also advocate for is make sure that you are, especially with Gen Z, Give them something that they can watch, especially if it's students telling your stories, like like Lindsay had mentioned. But you know, also making the the content, going back to the content piece, making it digestible, making it easy to understand, making sure that you're using vernacular that that is um, that that a student can understand, especially if they're first gen, if they're if their parents haven't gone, you you don't want to make it complicated. It's not just to to their detriment, but you know, if you look at your competitors and they're doing it better than you you're also you know, gonna be behind um, as students are considering not just you, but other institutions. We have a page called the Rattler Roadmap, which is a step-by-step -step process for admitted students. So no matter what happens, if a student gets to that page, we always make sure that that content is um, the most recent information that we have from everything about how to deposit, how to do virtual visits, how to do in-person visits, um, how to find out information about financial aid. You don't want students in the post-admission pre-deposit space to be really confused Mm -hmm. And we have found that it's been really beneficial for, for students that um, get there because they, they heard, at, uh, heard about it at an event or an admission counselor told them about it. Um, you really want to make sure that you're facilitating that post-admit process for students. Yeah. I would also add that we found digital ads are really been beneficial for us too. And a digital ad is a way too that you can target certain demographics or target areas. And we even do families or like adults mm -hmm. or parents or things like that in that measure too. So. There's yeah. so many things out there at your fingertips. Yeah. And so starting with Tony here, what are one or two new things that you've added to connect students to each other? Uh, then what have you carrying over that's worked in the past? Yeah, so um, I'm gonna give a shout out to John Carrillo, who's our Director of Outreach Initiatives at St. Mary's. He actually organized a speed friending event for admitted students in a virtual platform um, for a partner that St. Mary's has and it there was no pushing St. Mary's there was no talk about financial aid or about why come to St. Mary's it was just your 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 senior students that are trying to figure out where you want to go to college we want you to meet each other 
and we gave them a video instruction on how it was going to work to try and eliminate as much as you know as much text as possible. So um, there was a current student that said, you know, this is how speed friending is going to work. And we had hundreds of students that were just really excited about getting to meet other students, even if it was virtually, because what, what we're missing by not having our open houses, by not having our in-person yield events or having big campus tours is not just that they get to meet us, but that peer-to-peer -peer assurance that other students are considering our institutions as amazing institutions for us to continue our education. So we're trying to pivot to find ways to do that in the virtual space. Speed friending really worked. We actually have a, a virtual trivia night um, for, for our admitted students coming up here in about the next week and a half. And it's not going to be an admissions push. It's just going to be how can you interact with our admissions office in a fun way, in a low stress way? Because one of the things we try to remind ourselves often is that, you know, contextualizing process and making this fun are not mutually exclusive things, right? Like we can do both. And I think it's important that we tackle the process part but in, in the most difficult of times, how are we giving students something to be optimistic about, whether it's their relationship to each other or the fact that, you know, the admissions office is trying to just do something fun for them. So we're, we've seen good results from that. And, you know, Lindsay said earlier, be willing to take suggestions from your admission staff. Um, they're the ones that are closest to the students and people that are usually closest to the problem are usually closest to the solution too. So if they are willing to give you an idea, be willing to try. Um, because they may be hearing things from students that, that students are telling you that are things that would interest them. Yeah, and, and one quick follow-up on that. We had several people message at once. What They were wondering what platform that, that you use to host is, speed. Is it okay for me to share a third-party platform? I'm okay with it, yeah. yeah. We, we use Zini. What was it? We use Zini. Okay, yeah. And it's the same thing that, I mean, that's you can use other platforms as well so yeah there's so, lots of them that's just yep. that happens to be the one that we use and we have a great relationship with them and it's worked great for us great and and Lindsay, what's what what's a couple things that you've tried new this year so one of the things we actually did too was with zimi um and it wasn't through our orientation program so we this summer had a orientation leader who oversaw a group of about 200 students um, it was strategically kind of put together based upon living learning communities, affinities that they would have once they were on campus, and so connecting them that way. Um, and it really allowed our current students to engage with them, give them updates, information, do videos, and have them engage back and forth. Um, and it blew up, literally blew up. And um, we had not been using them as far as recruitment for admissions, um, but it was something solely something different, even for Zimi, in terms of what we wanted to use that platform for. Um, because again, we were not able to bring students to our campus. We were not able to group them together with groups. And so we had some strategy behind it. It was ways for them to learn from students. They could learn from all their students. They could engage with everybody. Um, Zimi is an app that people are on on their own. So they're already out there doing different things, but we had that then strategic um, partnership to do a little bit more with them. Um, and we had thousands upon thousands of engagement pieces on a daily basis actually um, through that, that app. Um, we have continued to um, also provide, so we have virtual sessions that we call chat with a cardinal where we literally have our Ball State students on and you can come in and out as you want and ask them a question, talk to them about what's it like to be a Ball State student. Um, it's sessions that we have every week and people just kind of hop in and out um, and do it that way to, um, to connect each other. We also have um, our Office of Student Life doing some sessions with different organizations and activities. So what is it like to be a student here and some of the things you get involved with and learn a little bit more about um, that involvement piece um, and what that might look like um, as a student. And then I would say our biggest one, that's something that we could carried over but continuing on and really improving is just even social media engagement. So whether that be Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or even um, we added in LinkedIn and some of those types of platforms that more um, family members are a part of. Um, we've gotten more and more involved with the takeovers, with the videos, with the um, raw kind of pieces and things like that um, that have allowed them to really kind of engage and ask questions of current students, um, engage that way. We've not had a chat you know, area in terms of what Tony has mentioned, but we are starting to provide some game nights where they can come in um, and do that. And then we're thinking of ways of strategically, virtually, how can we also engage um, when orientation happens this summer? Um, we have a large programming board on our campus. 
that has provided a lot of virtual things for our current students, like designing your own t-shirt branded with your university or designing your own hat or um, those types of things. And so we're actually going to offer that to our students and the ab ability for those who've confirmed to do some online engagement pieces where they can create their own kind of piece and then we'll actually mail it to them. Um, and so it's something that they get to be a part of and then they have physically for when they move um, to campus. So that's something that we're also starting to implement through this confirmation process and yield process um, for those students with these game nights. And then sometimes we honestly like, this sounds really silly, but like we send out messages for like Valentine's Day and birthdays and congratulations and things. And we've changed those up a little bit and they're all like students just really talking to them um, and like, hey, I get it. Like I'm a student too. This isn't ideal, but this is like what we're really excited about. And it's just some simple video based upon the holiday or based on the time of year for that student. And then it gives them, hey, I'm, you know, Lindsay Sphere. If you want to contact me, here's how you can do so um, and connect with me as a student too. Uh, are you or might you send out packets and boxes ahead of, of Yield events to prospective participants, Lindsay? Well, uh, I'd say yes and no. So um, in terms of like some of the pieces I just mentioned, where if you're like designing a thing, whatever, that's more for our admitted and like yield students, prospective students. Um, we aren't, we have a lot that we're doing, like we're sending t-shirts once you're admitted, we're sending a poster to you once you're admitted that says like, so like I'm Ball State Bound and it's a poster that you could use um, like in any piece or whatever. We're also sending one to the parent then. So my student is, because we know mm -hmm. that they love posters everywhere or things on refrigerators or whatever. Um, one of the things we have sort of sent to students is virtual backgrounds. So we're all on these Zoom worlds or these GoToWebinar worlds or things like that. So we've, we've included virtual backgrounds that anybody can put on as far as like specific to Ball State. So whether even you're like a high school counselor or something. Um, but we have yet to send a box of anything to a prospective student, um, more just a postcard or information or a sticker. We've sent like laptop stickers and things in mailing pieces or things that are already going out that we can strategically add to that. Or, hey, here's one for you. Here's one for your friend, you know, or here's one for mom or dad or whoever you want to share it with um, that type of piece as well. But a lot of what we're sending or physically giving people are um, for our admits. Um, we mm -hmm. did have a student the other day, funny enough, who reached out, who was a high school junior who found our digital um, yard signs. So it says like, you know, that they can put in the yard or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, I already put one in because this is my goal and what I want to do. And so I hope that's okay. And I was like, hey, more power to you. Like, if you want to start advertising now and you're excited about it, like, right on. Like, my fingers are crossed for you and like, let's go. But absolutely. Yeah. And, and Tony, are you sending out anything before yield events? Yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, I think we throttle um, the the price point and the quantity of things depending on where students are in the funnel. So, you know, we we do do we do print um, pre-application and in the application process, but you tend to get more and bigger the further down the funnel you go. Um, and that actually ends with when a student deposits, they get a customized box of St. Mary's branded stuff um, with a note. Um, last year, we sent Fiesta medals. So for those of you that are not super familiar with San Antonio, we have a multi-day event called Fiesta. It's San Antonio's version of Mardi Gras. Um, the entire city takes part in it. Um, St. Mary's hosts an event called Oyster Bake, which typically has about 60 to 70,000 people on our campus over the course of three days. Mind you, our enrollment's like 3,000. So it's a big deal. So in lieu of people being able to participate in Fiesta, we sent them a medal. And that's one of the big traditions of Fiestas. All the different events have medals that you get. So it was like, here's your first Fiesta medal. We hope that when you get to campus and as you become a San Antonio resident, you start to get more of them. So we, we kind of pick up the pace a little bit. Um, we've started to do a little bit more for parents. We have opened up um, in-person visits because things in San Antonio look a little bit better. Um, but that includes one of those like St. Mary's parents car decals. So it's a good way to kind of make our parents mobile billboards for the university is to say when the tour is over, hey, would you like one of these that we can put on the back of your car that you can put on the back of mm -hmm. your car? And hopefully, you know, most people will say yes and they'll take it or they'll go ahead and put it on while in their parking lot and then they just turn into, you know, advertising for you. So. Yeah. And that's always the, the best advertising you can have. Mm -hmm. Oh. You know, we'll start here with Tony. Can you speak to how you're planning to engage alumni and parents uh, in events? Yeah, we're probably a little better in the alumni space um, than in the parent space, and, and aspirationally, we hope to continue to do better. But one of the things that I think we try to be really mindful of with alums 
is that we really try and include younger alums in a lot of the events that we do with students. Um, not that, you know, alums that graduated, you know, you know, a while back are not valuable. I think they're doing professionally some amazing things. But again, I think back to the comment that I made about like that peer-to-peer -peer relationship, it's a lot easier, I think, for a 17-year-old to see a student that's, or a, a former student that's 23, 24, 25, and is involved in industry or professional space or graduate school or doing something that's really exciting, and for that person to say, I was you just a few years ago. This is possible. Um, and, and this is the type of place that makes it possible. So even the choice of, of alums that, that you use, I think, matters. We also try to be really thoughtful about making sure that we have diversity in the, um, in the alums that we use for our events. I, and I use that, that term, we, all, we throw diversity as a term for everything, but we really try to make sure that we have a broad range of professional spaces represented, that we have good stories represented. Um, you know, even regional representation in your alums is really important. You don't want to have four alums on a panel and three of them live and work in the same city, right? You want to make sure that, that, that your students from California, from Texas, from Indiana, from wherever, have somebody that they can identify with something, uh, with somebody about um, when, you, when you have alumni working with you. And, and Lindsay, I'll probably defer to you because I think you're probably a little bit ahead of us in what you're doing with parents. Well, and I would say too, I mean, we're doing a lot of similar things um, in terms of parent involvement. I mean, if we had events, so if we were able to host events, they, were, they would be there, they're attending typically as a parent of a current student. Um, now we are doing some virtual panels. So we have, like, as I mentioned, targeting our first gen students or 21st century. Um, it's a series of webinars, and so some of them include actually um, a parent or an alum um, of the university. So we're strategically putting them in there based upon the topic or the conversation um, and giving that relationship kind of builder of, you know, if we did it, you can too, or here's what it's like from our perspective. Um, as I mentioned earlier, our Parent Advisory Council is also sending out some communication pieces. They're sending out some of the stickers, some of the things that, you know, parents kind of want to have in terms of that pride for their student or where they're attending that institution. Um, and then we also send out targeted messaging. So like whether it be from a parent or alum, so somebody who um, is within a certain college, so your majors within that college, you actually get something from a parent of um, a student in that college as well as an alum of that college. And so that perspective um, to give them some different viewpoints, it's sent to the student as well as the family or guardian. Um, of that student so they both um, get those pieces and we have a pretty good relationship with our alumni office too so we have um, some different programming or things we do based upon donors or alums or people that come through the university they're doing things to have presence at those events and making sure that we're doing things to keep them educated as well especially our alums of what is ball state like in 2021 um, what are things that they could be doing and um, we do not have alums out at events recruiting for us. We are really pride ourselves on doing that as a university and with our staff. Um, but we're constantly trying to, even our alums who are parents, um, educating them on what Ball State was in 1990 is not what Ball State is like in 2021. Um, so doing some pieces and some collaboration um, that way as well um, with those demographic areas. You know, as you're, as you're doing some of these yield events, we've touched on it a little bit here, uh, especially there, Lindsay talked about different colleges, but how are you segmenting your yield efforts uh, if you are this year? So we are um, by major, by area, so by college area, um, whether that's a major, whether that's exploratory, what we call undecided, whether that's by our honors college, um, or that's from like where you're from. Um, so specific marketing to our Illinois residents versus our Indiana residents versus our Michigan um, you know, residents and trying to be strategic with that. Um, as I mentioned, we're doing some first, what we call first in flight, so it's our first generation students and families, and so we're doing some things specific to them. Um, also to our students who aren't quite where we want them to be in terms of that, you know, kind of gray area and really, really working with them. Um, we've even segmented some of our yield efforts in terms of we are a test optional institution, as many are now, but we were previous and prior to um, COVID. And so really kind of working with that demographic um, in that area. And when it comes to some of like our efforts, like we are having admitted student programs and things on campus, um, but it's kind of a choose your own adventure um, day. So students actually get to come in and out or do what they want um, based upon what area it is they're looking for and making sure that we're trying to provide as much um, experience, whether it be academic, extracurricular, athletic, whatever um, for that student based upon what they're looking for. Yeah. 
And Tony, any, any segmentation? Yeah, we're doing a lot of uh, similar things, but something I think that that's really helped us this whole year, and we're doing it for yield, but we also did it for um, application and lead generation as well as our digital marketing efforts are segmented geographically because students are not a monolith. And you know, I, I can't go out to students that live 10 minutes from campus and try and sell them on St. Mary's because San Antonio is such a great city. Well, they, they live here. They know what San Antonio is about. But that message resonates differently if I'm talking to a student from Houston or if I'm talking to a student from San Diego, right? So, so we actually change our messaging for digital marketing, for application generation, and for yield purposes, depending on the geographic area that the student lives in so that we can kind of curtail um, any questions about who we are as an institution or what are the things that we really wanna push in digital marketing to things that we think that might resonate with them um, as well. And we've seen some, some really productive results from that too. With Zoom fatigue so real, and we, we touched on this earlier, but you know we're all, we're all tired of all the Zoom meetings. What are you doing to make sessions interactive? Uh, and then what technology are you using? I think we touched on some of that, but yeah, Tony, if you wanna take that first. Yeah, and, and we are doing Zoom. Like I, you know, I say we all have Zoom fatigue and, and it's and it's true, but it still has its place and, and people still sign up. Um, I think one of the things that we try to remind ourselves of is that Zoom fatigue is real and they don't necessarily prefer this as their method. Maybe they would really like to be in person, maybe they would really like a one-on-one. -on -one. So, you know, trying to find that line of we can be professional but not be stuffy. Um, in our events, I think is really important to us. So, you know, when we have our admission counseling staff on, on yield events, we have one tomorrow on financial aid. We typically will have all of the admission counselors introduce themselves and kind of ask some innocuous questions in the chat just to get people talking with, talking with each other. So we did this at our, at our January yield event where we had a lot of faculty. And the, the question that we asked was, where, where's everybody joining us from? And you know, admission counselors would put like, oh, I live here in San Antonio, but I'm originally from El Paso, I'm originally from Phoenix, I'm originally from Miami. And invariably what would happen was that people would be super proud to tell you where they were from and people would start talking to each other, be like, well, what part of Houston do you live in? What part of Dallas do you live in? Um, and it almost made it a competition to see like what geographic area had the most people there. So just finding little ways for people to, to involve themselves in things that aren't you know, super serious, don't give people a hard time if they want to have their cameras off. You know, if that's the way that they want to participate, respect that. Um, but but I think kind of creating a, you know, a cultural environment in your events, whether it's individual events or in mass, to say, we want to help you, we want to inform you, but we don't have to be super prim and proper and formal is totally okay. I think the more that they see us as people that are living the pandemic and living you know, the college admissions process in our own way um, as people, I think maybe helps them find us to be more relatable. So I would say, you know, give yourself that opportunity to not feel like you have to be, you know, in, in a specific type of box whenever you present yourself to students. Kind of give yourself that chance to meet them where they are. Great advice. Lindsay? The only thing, a couple of things I would add to that is, I mean, ditto for sure in all measures is that we also ensure that everything we do is live. So nothing is pre-recorded, nothing is you know, done up, it's all live and interactive and engaging. And um, we've changed up a little bit in terms of our reminders, you know, so we're not just emailing, reminding a student about their session that they signed up for what they did, but we're also texting them three hours prior to that event to, hey, don't forget about this. You know, so there's different touch points um, with that. We also are engaging more people. So it might not just be someone from admissions, but it's someone from financial aid or someone from you know, a student or a faculty member or whatever to give it a little bit more interactive. We also found great success with like, where are you from? You know, what's your major area of interest? What's, what's a quick fact about you? And we share that and do that on our end too. Um, technology, YouTube has been huge in terms of all of our videos and having that YouTube kind of channel with various things all the way from like, how do you apply? And mm -hmm. what do you do after you apply? And what does housing look like? And what is, you know, it looked like as a student or whatever, just to kind of give them an overview of what's even Ball State like, let alone like I've applied and been admitted to Ball State. Um, so we've done a lot more video engagement, um, social media engagement. And one of the things too that we've also done technology wise is, um, so you know how like when you go to a museum, you get a audio recording of something and you can walk around and kind of check it out and do that. And um, we've also done that as far as like a campus tour perspective. So, 
So while we can't meet everybody in terms of meeting that demand for an on-campus tour, you can actually come on your own. You can download that little like recording and you can walk around and it's done by a student. It's all for students. So yeah, it's recorded, um, but it's getting over some of that Zoom fatigue where they're like, I'm really tired of this. What else can I do? Well, this is something else you could do that would allow you to come to campus. Um, and we have a couple different tours that way of more of the facts, but then also kind of the hidden gems, we like to call it, like the things that our students are really proud of that you might not know about otherwise. Um, and we have those interactive sessions um, that we do to get them out of the Zoom world sometimes as well. Well, now open it up to, uh, to your questions. We have a few that have come in, uh, but if you have questions, feel free to drop those in the chat on the right-hand side. Uh, first one here, going back a little bit, um, Tony, you talked about the theme months here in the spring. Uh, How did you get buy-in from campus partners who might have their own ideas about what matters when? Um, I was actually hoping that somebody would ask this question. Having worked in admissions for over a decade, um, I, I've seen that there's a lot of well-intending staff and faculty that they want to help. And when you don't give them direction, they just do what they want to do. And that means that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Um, or we're not all singing the same song at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So taking that contextually to say, well, how can I leverage the desire and necessity of these faculty or these staff to help into a greater plan was part of the process of designing our, you know, five month plus yield plan um, and, and kind of selling it to them as we want, we don't just want you to be involved. We want you to be the center point of what we're trying to communicate but it's one chapter in a story and we want to make sure that that story makes sense. So our, our theme for the month of January was academic excellence at St. Mary's. So leading with our faculty to say we want to we want to lead off with the academic experience where our virtual event is about this, our postcard is about this, emails that we send are about this, and faculty engagement direct to students is about this. Let us kind of center that work and say, we're, we're using this to launch why St. Mary's is such a great place to go to college. So that when faculty come back and say, well, I wanna do this in March or April, say, well, this is the theme for this month, but I don't have to reinvent the wheel. How can, how can we fit you into what we're doing? And we actually kind of um, had that pop up recently. So faculty that now wanna be involved when we've kind of moved the message, we're trying to figure out ways that they can involve, be involved in the things that we're doing right now without kind of going down a this, this side rabbit hole. And it, and it takes a little bit of effort sometimes when people are accustomed to doing things in a certain way. I think it's just, you know, how we sell it to our campus partners, whether they're within admissions, enrollment management, or outside to say, um, we want you to be active participants, but we want to make sure that the plan makes sense because the last thing that we want to do is make this confusing for students. Yeah. yeah. I can add something really quick too. One of the things that we recently did was to add what's called a faculty fellow position. Um, so we were able with a, our um, provost to get a six credit buyout for this faculty member who actually is like a liaison with admissions. Um, there's somebody who's been a faculty for years. They're involved on various committees, different areas. They actually are a parent of a Ball State student. So they've also been through the experience and they actually work hand in hand with us uh, and assist at our events and our communication and all of our pieces to really represent that faculty perspective, but to get to put together training sessions, they put together documents, information for faculty because they get it. They, they are faculty. That's their full-time full -time position. That's what they do. And so sometimes we're finding faculty actually listen better. It resonates. They ask different questions. They do different things when it comes from somebody who's a peer of theirs. Um, rather than uh, just us. So they've really collaborated with us. They've heard from, they're kind of that sponge. They take it all in, they work with us, we, we adjust and update, we provide additional materials or here's what's missing or a, you know, an overview of what's even in missions, what that looks like. Um, and that's been really, really helpful for us and for our faculty, I have to say. Yeah. And Lindsay, you mentioned the digital yard signs. I think we've all seen the traditional ones, but what do those look like? So um, I would say they're very similar to what a traditional one might look like. Um, but what happens is it actually is all digital. So it gives you information on how you can print it and make a copy of it. So some people are actually putting them in their windows. So they're just printing it on you know, a larger piece of paper. Um, they're taking it to a print shop and getting it mm -hmm. um, like printed. And then they're putting it um, in their yard. So it's, it's very similar, just not, I guess, 
the physical pieces. Now we have a lot of the physical ones in our storage garage actually, but we've just not been able to have an event where we can, and they're quite expensive to mail. Um, and so instead we, we made it all digital and gave them exactly like print directions. So whether you have that capability or you're gonna go to a store and like a copy center or something and you need to know how do I do this, it tells you exactly um, how to do that. Um, or if you want to put it in a window, what you would, how you would print it. So there's nothing they have to do other than get it printed. And there was a question too about your self-guided tours, uh, how you're hosting those and how students access them. Yeah, so they're all on our website. You can actually go to our Ball State website, bsu.edu backslash visit. Um, and we have two different tours there. Um, we created them more of like a PDF version um, that can mm -hmm. be downloaded on a phone or, or printed. We also have copies at our Welcome Center. So if a student were to stop by, they can stop by and pick one up and we'll give them both kind of copies of it. Um, it's something that we had our students do. So we had our tour guides kind of create the actual tour and then we also had them create kind of our hidden gems tour. Each are about 30 minutes in length, so you could do both in about an hour. Um, and then we um, had them audio record. Um, so we worked with our marketing team to just get them audio recorded as if they were walking around giving that tour. Um, and then you can play that on any mobile device. You can play that on an iPad or whatever. Um, and you just press play as if you had a headset on, you know, and probably some of them do. Um, and you just walk around campus and it tells you exactly what to do. And then it'll say, hey, um, pause here. And we want you to look around and take five minutes and do this because this is what we would do um, if we were a Ball State student. Okay, now press play again. And then this is what mm -hmm. you can do that way too. That's great. Yeah, actually, that's great. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's a great example too, that you don't have to buy expensive platforms. There are a lot of times, People will push back, say, well, it's, it's too expensive to try and do that. If you have a microphone and you have a website, you can do this. That's all we use, literally, yeah. We're now doing a Hidden Gems tour of Muncie, the city we live in, to kind of give them an, a, its perspective of what's it like to live in Muncie, too. And they're getting around and doing the same exact thing. Yeah. Uh, we had one person actually add a, a great comment that they have gotten around uh, with the yard signs. They're actually having some drive-through events where people can come by campus, pick them up. Uh, you know, that's something that would be a great mm -hmm. one. They said they have their DJ, they have a DJ there, a mascot, the admissions team out with masks and just make it a, a fun drive through event to come pick it up. And yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great way for people who live nearby. Absolutely. Well, that was all the questions that came in. I just want to thank both of you again. I uh, really appreciate the time. I know how crazy things are right now. Uh, but yeah, just thank you so much for, for being willing to help out. Mm -hmm.